We love our mothers. Can you say amen? And even if you're you're not a mother this morning or or not, you I guarantee one thing: you have a mother. Amen. And uh, so we love our mothers. We appreciate them. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna preach on the subject of mothers this morning. And so we'll, we'll honor uh, the word of the Lord. Turn your Bibles to to John's Gospel, chapter number nineteen. John's Gospel, chapter number nineteen, verse number twenty-five. When you find John chapter 19, verse 25, you can stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Again, pray for me, pray for my voice, and pray for my mind. It's a little different preaching the, the same sermon twice, so this close together at least. John chapter 19, verse 25, if you're there, please say amen. If you're not there, just look behind me. John chapter 19, verse 25 says this. It says, Now... There stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, and that is John, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, for the many blessings, God, that you've given us. Lord, I thank you, God, for the privilege that it is to be able to meet with fellow believers. God, in your house this morning. Lord, I just pray that you would bless each one that that put forth an effort to be here this morning. God, we thank you for those folks. God, I just pray that you would speak through your word this morning. God, you spoke this morning, and Lord, people were on the altar, even in a, in a Mother's Day message. God, and I just pray that you would do your work again. And God, that, that you would be glorified. And God, that you would just move me out of the way. God, move any, anybody out of the way, God, that, that may be here, that may be a distraction. or God, whatever the situation may be, God, just have your way. God, I just pray that you would just... Speak through your word. God, use me as your vessel. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This morning in the message, I'll probably be talking about my mom. I did in the first message quite a bit, so some of you that were here will just have to hear it again. Uh, Some of you may wonder, why have you never seen my mother? Uh, She died six years ago in uh, 2014. Uh, just just a few days from now, it'll be six years. So uh, that's that's what where my mother is. But I know that she was saved, and I'll get to her testimony later. But we find in the book of John, chapter nineteen, we find Jesus on the cross. Now, when you look through the Gospels, when you look into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all separately, you'll find in total that as Jesus was dying on the cross, he spoke seven statements. And I won't get into all those statements, but, but he spoke seven statements. So he had been flogged, he had been beaten, and now his, his hands have been pierced, and he's hanging on a cross. And he's dying. He's about to give up his life. Nobody could kill him, but he could give his own life. And so as Jesus is about to give his own life, he says something that I've never really paid attention to. I've read this over and over again, and it really dawned on me and really struck me in a different way this week as I studied for this message. And Jesus is hanging there on a cross. And it says in in verse 25, Now stood there by the cross of Jesus, his mother, 
and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And there was one other person standing there. It says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John. And so Jesus looks around and he, he looks down and he surveys the area. And all he sees is one disciple. See, the other ten, Judas having already killed himself, Judas is gone. There were ten other disciples and who knows where they were. They, they might have went back to their fishing boat. They might have been hid out somewhere in a house. But, but regardless, we know that the disciples were not there. Peter, as bold as he was in all the statements that he made, the boisterous statements, was not there. He was off being a coward somewhere. But Jesus looks down and who does he see at the base of the cross? It says, but his mother, Mary. Now I stop and, and I'll tell you and give you the same little speech I gave you in, or gave in the first service this morning that we're not here to worship Mary. Okay, I want you to understand that. Mary is not deified. The, the, there's a certain church, and this is not on video, so I'll say it. It's the Catholic Church that, that worships Mary. In fact, she has her own church in Rome where Jesus is dying on one side of the cross, and they have depicted Mary on the other side of the cross dying. And, and that is idol worship, folks. Can you say amen? We're not here to glorify Mary as, as a person or say that she died for your sins because Jesus died for your sins. Jesus himself, no other person could have died for your sins. Mary, as great as she was, she was a good person. God blessed her and chose her among all the women of Israel, but she was still a human being. It took God sending his only son to die for our sins. And as he was doing that, he looks down from the cross, and before he goes any further... He says this, he looks at his, at his mother and he says, Woman, behold thy son. Now just reading that in quick passing, you would think that, that Jesus is saying, Hey, hey Mary, look up here at me. Look, cast your eyes on me. But that is not what he was saying. You have to read it in context. And he goes on and he looks at the disciple. And after he says, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. See, Jesus' father, Joseph, was probably dead by now. And his brothers, and, and see, Mary had other children that are mentioned in other parts of the Bible. They were not yet believers. And so Jesus and Mary were basically the, the only two in the family that, that really had any common ground there. And so Jesus was not about to send his mom back to a house full of unbelieving siblings. He was not about to send her alone somewhere. But yet Jesus looked at John, whom he loved, and John points that out. And he said, John, take my mama home with you and take care of her. So Jesus, in, in his, one of his last breaths that he was able to take, looked down and he said, take care of my mother. Here's the foundation of this sermon that Jesus took time while he was dying on a cross to honor and take care of his mother. And what a blessing that was. See, I believe if, if you still have a mother, that you should honor her. Amen? I believe that, that mothers are worthy of honor. I, I think about how much I love my mom, and, and I'll, I'll talk about that. But, but I think about some, some mothers of people I know in here. I know Sister, Sister Roberta, which is uh, Joanna's mother, and how, how good of a Christian lady she is and, and how that she needs to be honored. And I know Zeb's mom, and I know Dreamer's mom, and several of them. I know your mothers, and you need to honor them while they're still alive and can get honor. Amen? 
I see, I see Sister Connie's got a, a white flower on, and that means your mother's passed, right, Sister Connie? And you, seven years? So just one more year than mine's been gone. And, and you, you would attest to the fact that you, you would love to honor your mother today, wouldn't you? And, and, and I dearly miss my mother. And so Jesus stopped, and, and he just, just stopped everything. I mean, he's dying here. And in fact, the next statement that Jesus says, you know what it is? It is finished. So right before Jesus gives up the ghost, he says, take care of my mother. And I believe that the Bible places a special emphasis on mothers. Now, uh, I'm, I'm not by any ways throwing off on my dad or anything like that. So my dad comes to church here sometimes on Wednesday nights and, and Sunday nights. And, and my dad's a good guy. And, and I'll tell you what my dad told me, okay? My dad taught me two things. Y'all ready for it? And my, my people know this from the first service. Dad taught me to keep a short haircut and be early everywhere you go. And mom taught me everything else. Y'all believe that, don't you? That's what, no, Dad don't like it when I tell people that, but that's from the Air Force. But I learned so much from my mom. And, and, they, and, and I lived with her there towards the end of her life, and she taught me things and, and told me things and took care of me. And so this morning, I'm going to look at a few things, just a few things that a mother does. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the, the second chapter of Exodus. Go all the way back towards the front of the Bible. Exodus chapter 2. And we find a scene here that is among one of the, the worst scenes of the Bible. See that, that Pharaoh is afraid that his Egyptian kingdom is going to come to a, a halt because the children of Israel are about to outnumber them. They've got the children of Israel held in captivity as slaves and the children of Israel have been blessed by God and they're reproducing faster than the Egyptians know what to do with them. And so Pharaoh issues an order. He tells every midwife in Egypt, he said, if a baby boy is born, you are to take the life of that child, that you're to kill him. Now, I don't know how they did it, whether they threw him in the river or what, but we find here in Exodus chapter 2, verse number 1, we find a woman whose name is only mentioned twice and it's not mentioned here. But it says, And there went a man from the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink and his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him this child that was that was placed in the river as, as most of you know or, or hopefully if you've read your bible very much you'll know that this is Moses that was just placed in this ark of bulrushes and that his mother's name is only mentioned two other places, and her name is Jochebed. She was the mother of Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. This is probably Miriam who goes to spy out what's about to happen to Moses. But, Mir but, but Jochebed had delivered Moses, and when she says that when she saw him, she saw that he was a goodly child. Now in studying this and, 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 and kind of just mulling this over in my head, I would be led to believe that, that Jochebed probably looked at Moses 
and probably saw something in him that alerted her to the fact that this child was a special child and that God had a plan for this child and that he was to do something great and something mighty. But I'll say this, that that every time you hold a baby, I want you to understand that you're holding something special. Amen? That when you hold that that little miracle of life in your hand, that it is a special thing and it's not to be taken lightly. See, Pharaoh had ordered that these children be killed by the droves. Probably thousands and thousands and thousands of Hebrew boys were just killed off. Sort of like what's happening today in our country. People are being, babies are being killed by the millions now. But let me tell you, that's something that we should not take lightly, amen? Those babies are precious, not only in, in our sight, but they're precious in the sight of God. And so she saw this baby boy, and she, she, she saw that he was special, and so she protected him for three months, and she probably hid him, and no doubt that, that the soldiers would go out and they would patrol, and she would know that they were coming, so she would have to hide him until she couldn't hide him anymore. And so three months old, she didn't know what to do, and I believe that this was all part of God's plan, Amen. That it wasn't her prerogative or her idea to say, hey, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put this kid in a basket and I'm going to stick him in the river and whatever happens to him, then, then, then so be it. No, I believe that God led her to put that baby in a basket. And by God's providence, he was sent down the river. See, the mother's instinct in this situation was to do one thing for her child and that was to protect that child. Do you see that in the scripture? That she knew that she was to protect that child. That it was her job to protect him. And so she did what she knew to do. And so by God's providence, he gets put into the river. And he goes down the Nile River just a little ways. And we find that Miriam is following this basket. And she probably saw something that troubled her. And that was Pharaoh's daughter coming down to the river. And it says that Pharaoh's daughter saw the baby in the river. And that she recognized this baby as one of the Hebrew children. And it would have been so easy for her to just say, Hey, get me some soldiers. We got a Hebrew baby here. We need to, we need to get, just take care of this. But she said, No, I'm taking him home with me. God's providence was there. God's protection was there. Simply because a mother loved her child. We see the protection by the mother. And you know the rest of the story, I hope, how that that Moses grew up in the Egyptian household. He literally grew up in Pharaoh's house. This man that had ordered Moses dead grew up in Pharaoh's house. And you know that, that, that Moses led the children of Israel out of captivity and that they became a great nation and now there's, there's millions of Jews all over the world today simply because of a mother's protection. So we see the mother that protected. But turn your Bibles now to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 1 verse 10. We saw Jochebed. Now we're going to look at a lady by the name of Hannah. Now Hannah's situation was a little different. She had prayed for a child. And at this moment in verse number 6, we see that that it says, Because the Lord had shut up her womb. And so every year, she would go to to the house of God and she would pray. She would go to the temple and she would ask God for a child. 
1 Samuel chapter 1, verse number 10, we find Hannah at the temple, seated by the post, it says in verse 9. And verse 10 says, And she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and forget not thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. But her voice was not heard before Eli. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. So Eli is sitting here and he's watching Hannah. Eli was the evil priest of the time. He was, he was a man that, that, that was in place, but he was not a very good man. And again, we see that God had a plan for Moses, but God also had a plan for this woman, Hannah. And so Hannah had went to the house of God, and, and it said that she would do it every year that she would go, and she would pray before God. Now, now to be honest with you, I don't know what made the difference this time, aside from the fact that, it was, that she promised to do something. So we see that, that Jochebed protected, but then Hannah prayed, and not only did she pray, but she promised. And so it says that she vowed a vow before God. She prayed that if God would give her a man-child, she was very specific that she wanted a boy. And she said, God, if you'll just do that one thing for me, then I'll tell you what, I'll give him back to you. She promised that. I believe that Hannah showed us something and set a standard for what every parent should be ready and willing to do. And that is that if God gives you a child, that you should be willing to be, in turn give that child freely back to God. Because really that's not your child anyways. Judah is not your child. Did you know that? He's God's child, Tanner. <laughs> and, 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 and God gave you Judah and it's Tanner's job to give Judah back to God and so God honored Hannah's request and he gave her a son and his name was Samuel and we read and you read in the, through the book of Samuel and you're introduced to Samuel and Samuel indeed goes back see not only did Hannah say that she would do that but she kept her promise and she did give her son back and when 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 he was old enough she took him to the house of God and she left him there to be Eli's servant and you see that God blessed Moses because of a mother's protection, but God blessed Samuel because of a mother's promise. See, Samuel was a man that, that got to do something that no other priest had got to do up to this point. Up until this point, the, the, the Israel did not have a king until you get to the book of 1 Samuel. They had been ruled by judges. And in 1 Samuel, the children of Israel call for a king. And guess who get, got to anoint the first king of Israel and the second king of Israel? It was Samuel. We talked last week about how David had been anointed and how that horn of oil had been poured on his head and that God had greatly blessed him. But it was Samuel, the priest, who was the one that walked into Jesse's house that day and said, hey, bring your sons. And this is the one, and he was the one that was able to discern that God looks at the heart and not the outside of a man. And he was able to pour that horn of oil on there. 
And God's blessing came through David. And we know all the, the escapades of David and all that he did and how that he killed Goliath and killed the, the lion and the bear and all the great things that he did. But it was Samuel who was there to anoint him and appoint him. We see that God will honor parents who protect their children. And God will honor people who promise to give their children back to him. But then let's go to the New Testament now, to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. We find someone here that's only mentioned once. And this is probably the crux of the message right here. This is something that we need to understand as, as I was taught and learned from my mother. I learned many things. But the Apostle Paul is sitting in prison in Rome. He has a date with the executioner's axe. And he writes a letter to Timothy. For This is probably historians believe to be Paul's last letter. And he writes to Timothy who's just a young pastor. And he says this to Timothy in verse number 5. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse number 5. He says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am also persuaded that in thee also. So we see that, that what Paul saw in Timothy was not his eloquence of speech, was not what he said or, or probably how he carried himself, but he said, what I see in you is I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, the faith that cannot be broken, the faith that is put in the only place that it should be, and that is in God himself. He said, that's what I remember about you, Timothy. You know, you remember certain things about people, right? You do. I think of certain people and you just think about stuff. When I think of Zeb, I think about the time he cut the cord off my saw. That's just what I think about. When I think about Cecil, I, I, what do I think about when I think about you, brother? It's a lot of stuff. But, but Paul is sitting there and he thinks about Timothy. And he says, that's a faithful young man. But it wasn't an accident that Timothy was who he was it wasn't that it just happened upon one day that God shined the light down on Timothy and the sun shined through the windows and all this stuff happened and, and God said, hey, now you've got faith. No. See, faith is a process. Faith really, just to be honest with you, is something that we learn. And it gradually gets stronger and stronger. And Timothy had learned it from his mother. He said that, that I see that unfeigned faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice and I am also persuaded that in thee also. See, his mother and his grandmother both practiced faith in God in front of Timothy. So we're going to call this the mother that practiced. See, what we run into in Christianity a lot of times is, is people that like to talk. Amen, right Tanner? People like to say, yeah, I've got faith. I believe God. Yeah, 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 I, I, I know I believe what the Bible says. And they talk. Problem is they don't walk. You agree with that? 
And this woman here, uh, her name was Eunice, and this is the only mention that we have of her in the entire Bible. But all the Bible says about this woman Eunice is that she had unfeigned faith. But see, she didn't get it by accident either. It came from her, her mother, Lois. And, and this faith that Timothy had, see, it was a generational thing. It started and it worked its way down. Now, I won't have you raise your hand, but I'll just have you go through your mind and, and ask yourself, how many of you are here because your faith was generational? Wouldn't you agree with that statement? Uh, I, I, some of you are, some of you aren't, but, but that's why I'm here this morning. I think about Dreama sitting right there, and I don't want to embarrass her. But uh, how many of you know, raise your hand if you know who David Lee England is, the preacher David Lee England. Anybody ever heard of him? Well, everybody knows he was a, a preacher that's been preaching since, uh, well, he was right after Moses, actually. He was the next guy in line. So he's been preaching for decades and decades and decades and, and has a wonderful testimony and, and, and all these things. And guess what? His granddaughter's sitting right here this morning. Why? Because it was passed down from Sister Bessie and it, it went on down into Lester and, 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 and her mother Ramona and all these folks and then it went down into her. See, this faith was generational. And it was, it's, it's that way for a number of people. I told them in the first service that a lot of you didn't know that I, have, I had a drug problem growing up, right? That I got drugged to church every time the doors were open. Some of you are thinking, oh man, that guy, that guy had a drug problem. I got, I got took to church. Went from, the, from the time I was little bitty, I was never this big. I was about this big when I was born. But from that time on, back in 1987, when I was born, my parents took me to church. And my mom would play the piano in church. And my mom would, would teach Sunday school or whatever she did, and she would be there. And see, that's what I remember about her. See, I told you that my mom died. And, and Mother's Day is, is a rough time for me to be, let's just be honest with you. It's hard for me to stand and, t and preach this kind of sermon. Because Mother's Day six years ago, uh, my mom was in ICU on a ventilator in, in the Cookville Hospital. Uh, she had she had liver failure, and she didn't even tell me. See, I guess she wanted to protect me. I don't know what her reasoning was. But I had preached a revival at Gentry's Chapel just down the road here a few miles. And on April the 28th of, of 2014, I got up and I preached, and, and I couldn't tell you what I preached about. But I do know this, that before I preached, that my mom got up to sing. And, and my mom, she was, she was like me, she was loud. And she sung loud, she talked loud, and we're just loud people, all right? You can say amen to that. And she got up to sing, but before she sung, she, she gave a testimony. And so she stopped and, and she said, before we sing this next song, I just want just to say something. And she was about to sing a song uh, called Not Afraid to Die. And my mom testified, and she said, she said if, if I go home tonight and I die, she said, I know that I'm ready to go. And I knew that she was because I knew the testimony that she had. I knew the life that she lived. I knew that, that her faith was in Jesus. Little did I know and little did she know that that very night, that uh, April the 28th, 2014, was actually the 29th at 1 a.m., my cousin called me who was a paramedic in Cookville, and he said, hey, your mom is in ICU or is in the emergency room on a ventilator. And I said, what? I was just in church with her six hours ago. What are you talking about? And I went there, and they had her in a medically induced coma. 
That was April the 28th, and May the 11th, 2014, was Mother's Day. And I didn't go to church that morning. I went to the hospital, and there my mom was in the hospital bed, and and she hadn't raised up or said anything in, in several days. And then finally she sat up on, on Mother's Day just a little bit, kind of roused up and opened her eyes. And so as soon as she did, I jumped up out of the seat. If any of you have been to, to the bedside of a person like that, you jump up and you go and you get real close to them. And I got her hand and she had a, she had a big strong hand and she was still strong laying there. And she squeezed my hand and she said, I love you, son. That was the last thing I ever heard her say. And I'm glad that God worked it out like that, though. I'm glad that God was able to give me that peace. Because, and, and I'm glad that God laid it on her heart almost two weeks before that to stand there right before she sung a song about dying and say, hey, I'm ready to go. And so I would say that, that my faith would come from my parents and especially my mother. That she taught me things. And, and I've, I've got a copy of my mom's Bible at home. And, and she would read a chapter and she would take a red ink pen and every line she would underline what she had read. And I got, I've got that Bible and I can open it up and she would make little notes. And she would make notes where preachers would preach. And, 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 and I know that her heart was in the study of God's Word. And I knew that she loved the Lord. She had that unfeigned faith. And I would encourage you, if you are a mother here today or, or maybe even a grandmother or whatever the situation may be, you better walk the walk. I've learned more than, than, than anything from being a parent now that, that kids are watching you, right? Would you say amen to that? Oh, man. I can't, I can't say anything that Barrett won't just pop it right back off at me. I mean, that kid can say whatever he wants to, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying he says bad things. I'm just saying that, that you can't say anything, but he knows what you said, and he's listening, and he's listening to his mom, and he'll tell on her. If, 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 I mean, he'll tell me when she's out of line. But she's living out her faith in front of my kids, and I appreciate that. I appreciate mothers that will take a stand and say, hey, my hope is in Jesus. I'm anchored in the rock this morning. And, and I believe that, that, that people can be saved and, and children, numerous people have been saved simply because their mother was willing to take a stand. Unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am also, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Let's pray, Brother Cecil. Father, we love you. And God, we thank you for the wonderful word this morning. God, I thank you that you, you gave us our mothers. Lord, and I know that not all mothers are perfect and, and that some have their flaws. I understand that. But God, you've blessed that office. And God, it's, it's more than that. It's a call. It's a responsibility. And God, I pray that, that Cookville Free Will Baptist Church would have strong mothers, would have faithful mothers and grandmothers and aunts and mother-in-laws and whoever it may be. And God, that you would be honored. And Lord, that the children that roam these halls, God, that, that our mothers would protect them. And God, that we would promise them and give them back to you and that we would pray for them. 
And God, that, that we would practice it in front of them. God, I pray that you would just bless each one that's here. God, I thank you for the privilege that it is to stand here on Mother's Day and say thank you for mothers. But God, you gave them in your omnipotence. Lord, we praise you. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may stand. Brother Cecil.